0: The following podcast contains explicit language. I want to tell you my secret now. I see dead people. Silent Green is people! No, I am the father. Oh. What's in the box? You maniac! You blew it up! Damn you all to hell! Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Spoiler Specials. I'm Sam Adams, the senior editor at Slate, and this week we're spoiling The Lovebirds, the Netflix comedy about a couple, played by Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae, who are on the verge of breaking up when they suddenly find themselves on the run from the law and reconnect over a wild night in New Orleans. Joining me to talk about it are Willa Paskin, Slate's TV critic. Hello, Willa. Hi. And also Slate staff writer Rachel Hampton. Hello. Hey. All right. So this movie is probably most famous at this point as I think the first theatrical movie. This was going to be a Universal Pictures release, but because of I don't know some weird reason, they decided that because there were no new movie theaters to release it into, they were going to just send it straight to Netflix. So it's sort of a famous, you know, historical footnote in that respect. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about it if that makes a difference later on, but. Just to start kind of in the usual place, would you recommend this for people who have a couple, I guess, 87 minutes or so to film on a quarantine night? Um, Well, I'll start with you.
1: Well, you know, what's interesting. This movie is like not very good, but the thing that's sort of surprising about it is a thing that I thought it was actually sort of good at is a thing that other movies are terrible at, which is like the jokes they say to each other and like their actual dialogue when they're just joking around is like pretty good. And maybe it's just because Camille Nanjani and Issa Rae are funny and they did it. But like sentence to sentence, like when they're just like riffing with each other, it's better and funnier. Like I giggled a few times. (laughs) The movie is like otherwise totally pedestrian and like par-baked and like the fact that it was supposed to come out in theaters is like totally mind-boggling because it's just fully a Netflix movie as far as I can tell, by which I did not a compliment. And... They don't have chemistry, like, at all. Like, you sort of wish they didn't get back together at the end, even though, like, you're happy they don't hate each other anymore. That's how I felt. But, like, (laughs) second to second, they just do cute, funny – like, not even cute. Like, they're just kind of funny. And there's a lot of scenes that had that feel of, like, I'm not sure they were improv. They probably weren't. But just, like, two people just, like, kind of riffing off each other in a goofy way that are charming. So, like, it passed the time. Like, my husband, who doesn't ever watch anything with me, was, like, sitting – In the room with me and then he would sort of pay attention and watch like the last 20 minutes and he was like that was so much less terrible than i was expecting it to be because like (laughs) they're funny so like if you go expecting it to be bad (laughs) it might be good
2: ish but it's not actually good
0: rachel can you do better or worse than that extremely lukewarm recommendation
2: (laughs) okay so i think i watched this movie in the perfect way which was after exactly two mojitos Mm -hmm. i think this movie (laughs) is best watched when slightly tipsy and based on that experience, I honestly really enjoyed it. I will say I think I'm the target audience for this movie because I really love Netflix's Murder Mystery with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler, which is kind of terrible. But I've watched it multiple times. So take my recommendation with a grain of salt. But I, like Willow was saying, like the comedic chemistry between Kumal and Issa was really good. I honestly am not a huge fan of comedies, and I laughed a lot during this. Plot wasn't great, (laughs) but, like, the dialogue really carried the entirety of the movie, and I thought it was really fun. I was less surprised it was a theatrical release. It felt very much like a movie you would see on Friday night with your friends, and you come out and you're like, that was decent. And then you go to a bar. And that was my experience of watching this movie.
0: As well as said, I mean, kind of mind-boggling to me watching this. Like, I really had to kind of forcibly remind myself that this was intended to be watched in movie theaters at some point. Because it just looks so threadbare. It's set in New Orleans. And it does, you know, look like they shot there for about three seconds. But the whole thing just has this whole kind of generic, like, studio warehouse feel to it. But I do think, as well as that as well, I mean, I think a lot of the the interaction between them is, like, pretty inspired. And I do think they have chemistry in a a certain way. I mean, it may just be, like, comedic chemistry, but I just feel like a lot of the back and forth between them is really funny. It can be really difficult to figure out whether something is improvised. But the director, Michael Showalter, who also worked with Camille Nangiani on Big Sick, his whole background is in sketch comedy. He was a member of the state way back when. You know, I think that's the kind of thing he leaves room for. He's certainly not any kind of visual stylist. I mean, I think if anything kind of drives this movie and makes it worth watching, it's it's the way it just lets um, the two of them kind of do their their comedic thing. This movie does it's, it's kind of a slightly interesting thing um, in that it kind of starts off in the place where another romantic comedy might end and basically gives us the entirety of their This couple, the names are are Gibran and Leilani. The entirety of their falling in love, their meet-cute is compressed into the first, you know, 90 seconds of the movie, kind of over the credits. So we have, you know, the two kind of running into each other. We pick up with them right after their first hookup and they're kind of deciding whether or not they're going to go their separate ways. And it's like, no, let's have breakfast. Let's go for a walk in the park. And you just get the sense of... You know, Reese Ray has this great sort of flooding, like "I just fell in love with you" smile. That's all kind of crammed into the beginning of the movie, and then there's just a smash cut to four years later when they were in, in the middle of the fight. I mean, I will s- ask you, but like, I mean, did you buy first of all that first section? Did these feel like, you know, people who are falling in love have fallen in love? Because otherwise, we don't care whether or not they're going to get back together.
1: For me, that sort of formula just like works, even if I don't buy it. Like, I don't actually think they sort of ever sort of make sense as a couple. Like, what, you know, there's like, it's like three minutes of them like talking about crudité. A.O. Scott, in his sort of eviscerating review of this movie, like, really, it was just like, you're in New Orleans, and the only things you connect about are like crudité and a Katy Perry song, like, please. And I, it was very snide, but I like took his point. It is like the montage in the middle of like another romantic comedy where like I'm always like that worked for me. Like it doesn't matter. Like it could almost be like a chipmunk and like an otter doing that. I would always be compelled by, like, that soundtrack. I'm like, I understand the beats that this movie is doing. And this is sort of cute, although sort of cringy. Like, But it doesn't even matter. Like, it's just setting it up. I'm like, I get it. You're a couple. But then, like, the smash got to them hating each other. Like, I found them hating each other so much more plausible than them <laughs> liking each other. I think also Camille and Johnny is, like, very funny. But I'm not, like, sure Schmoopy is, like, really in his toolbox. It can be in the right circumstances. Like, The Big Six is a good movie. But... Like, there's something just, like, a little too normal about the opening beats. Like, it's not his strength. Like, I think Issa, like, is, like, is such a glorious romantic comedy heroine. She could fill that role, like, really nicely with her beam, you know? But he's got something else, like, more acid going on. And, I, like, them fighting, I'm like, this seems more like you're saying. Also, their fight was kind of incongruous. Like, there wasn't enough. I mean, the thing is, like, this is why the whole movie comes down to just, like, their sort of, like, patter. Because... There's no, like, emotional heft. Like, the thing they're fighting about doesn't really make sense. Like, you know, they sort of say, like, he doesn't ever want to go anywhere or he doesn't ever want to try. But it's all sort of shorthanded and you're not sure, like, they really get it either. But I did, like, buy them as fighters. That's almost the only interesting thing about the movie is its structure. So, like, to just have that, like, six minutes in all fall apart like that's kind of like the only like pickle you know like I mean and and, like the pickle in a sandwich like the only like (laughs) surprising taste element in the whole thing is like that structure and I liked that I guess that's what I'm saying (laughs) by insulting it a lot
2: (laughs) I also totally bought them fighting I kind of bought them as the couple whose main love language is just endless bickering and so I guess the beginning of it I was kind of like oh this is cute I kind of want to know what was going on before this. Kind of just the most recent thing I saw Easter in was the photograph. And so seeing her again in this kind of romantic context, I, again, immediately bought into it. I agree with Willow, She could do pretty much anything. Yeah, Camille falling in love wasn't necessarily, I was like, I feel like I'm waiting for you to make, like, a funnier joke or for this to go wrong somewhere. Like, something's going to happen. And then launching immediately into fighting about, like the amazing race was like maybe the funniest part of the entire movie. So yeah, I bought them more as like a couple continually on the verge of breaking up, but just kind of never committing to breaking up. I also never really figured out why they were fighting. Like Camille's theoretically taking too long to make a documentary and is obsessed with social media, but that isn't really track as something to break up a four-year relationship over. So I wasn't fully convinced they were gonna break up. How do you even get into a four year relationship if you are fighting about
1: like, do you know what I mean? Like they just yeah, like yeah, it made yeah. it seem like there was like fundamentally incompatible in some way that it's like, how'd you get here? Or this isn't serious enough.
0: Mm-hmm. And, right. Last night I was watching Love Life, which is the new kind of Anna Kendrick series. It's on HBO Max as of today. And that is a similar like where, you know, the relationship's in trouble when one person accuses the other person of looking at their phone too much. And that's obviously not like a new phenomenon, but it just feels very like tropey. At this point, like, that's that's the big warning sign is when phones become an issue. Yo, every is relationship
1: in America is doomed if that's the issue. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> None of us are going to survive.
0: I, like, selfishly enjoyed their fight just because I, you know, I'm a big sort of, like, documentary buff. I mean, there's a, a bit where they, they're fighting over the documentary that he's making versus the reality shows that she watches and... <laughs> He thinks that his documentary is superior, but then she catches him out that he's never actually even seen this reality show. And she has a line at one point that's like, you make documentaries, those are just reality shows that no one watches. And I was like, okay, I can't wait until this movie is actually on Netflix and out of the screener site so I can make a GIF of that and like start tweeting it at people, which I did. Um, so moving on, the two of them, they're on their way to this party in the car on the way there. They kind of reach the point where they realize like, oh shit, we're done. Like we not only are about to break up, but we should have broken up like some amount of time ago. And that is when their car gets uh, hijacked by Paul Sparks playing this white man who says he's a cop, doesn't like flashing an idea, but goes up and says, I'm a cop. I'm chasing that bicycle courier. Well, um, they already hit the bicycle your car. courier. Didn't
1: they like yes. hit a guy? They hit yes. the bicycle courier. Yes, Who comes, so they like almost killed someone and then this guy takes over their car and is like, he's a bad guy, let's go catch him. And
2: they assist him in catching him. Yeah, I didn't buy that. (laughs) I was like, someone like Issa, I don't know, speaking of a black woman, if a cop jumped in my car, I'd be like, get the fuck out. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, it was like a very shady
1: situation. You wouldn't just, I don't think you would just be like, "Uh, yes, like, we'll do whatever you say, officer. Like, he's like,
0: for me, it would be like one thing if they were kind of, You know, intimidated into it if he, you know, flashed a gun or a badge or something. But not only that they, like, let him in their car and take over, but then they're, like, enthusiastically helping him. (laughs) Like, oh, turn this way. He went eastbound. And it's just like, oh, they're way too into, like, I know they're both, like, pretty bougie characters. They just seemed way too into, like, you know, playing cop with this guy who's given them no proof he's actually a cop. This is not a movie that's particularly engaged with with plausibility. But that was definitely something that threw me out of it, like, right at that moment.
1: And then they do catch up with this bicycle, who they the character that they start to call Bicycle. And Mustache, the guy who says he's a cop who's gotten in the car, then proceeds to roll over Bicycle four times with their car. <laughs> and then he takes out a gun and is going to shoot them. But then the cops start to appear, so they run away. And so then the two of them are, like, in the car with this corpse in front of them, and then, like, two people, strangers, like, come upon it and are like, you just killed this guy. And this is what I, like, got, like, really stressed out and annoyed, which is, like, mm-hmm. the thing happens that always happens in movies where they're suddenly, like, incapable of just trying to explain what happened instead of just being like, we did it, like, like instead of just being like, someone took over our car and he ran over them three times and it wasn't us. They're like, we hit him, but it wasn't us. Like, they just they just fail to explain, so, and they basically confess to having killed this person to these bystanders even they didn't sort of by accident and then decide because they are people of color and because they like it is a crazy situation they decide to flee so it's like i mean that's the thing is also it's like they like come to their senses about how fucked up the police are at that point
0: You know, one of the moments I like more in the movie is this, this couple come upon them who are identified in in the credits as I think Mr. Hipster and Mrs. Hipster (laughs) come upon them sort of in this alleyway with this like dead bicycle curry in front of them and start like freaking out. And they, you know, the woman calls the cops and she's like, um, well, I need to report these people for, um, like killing this guy. And, uh, she is just happens to be African-American and he is also a person of color. (laughs) And I'm not saying that, um, because I'm racist, but because they literally just killed a guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then they flee and then, like, concoct a plan not to turn themselves in, but to try to solve the murder themselves.
2: Yeah. They choose to help this cop, and then they don't go to the police. And they're like, oh, they won't believe us, obviously, because we're people of color. And I was like, why didn't you think of that when you let the cop in the car in the first place? A, <laughs> B we live in a surveillance state. I guarantee there's a way for them to find out that you weren't driving the car. Which, like, spoiler, it becomes, like, a plot point at the end. I was just like, why didn't you guys just think about this for, like, five seconds? Like, there's literally cameras everywhere. Like, what's going on here? How do they even begin to solve this mystery? they like, sitting at a diner, and the cops call them, and they're like, where's your car at and they're like oh we don't know we left it at home right and then yeah. I think
1: they have the, the bicycle's phone bicycle and mm-hmm. so it, they have a they have a calendar invite in the phone
0: yeah so then they start getting his like text messages I just want to flag in that diner scene like one of my favorite lines in the whole thing I don't know who wrote this or if this is an Issa improv but I just love the way she says it like they're sitting in this diner Camille has blood all over his overcoat and the diner waitress is kind of looking at them like, what is going on here? And Issa is just like, oh, um, we were just painting our house blood colors. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the little moments like that, that for me make it like the plot and the romance I don't really care about, but like little line deliveries like that is totally worth the, you know, 80 odd minute investment. Yeah. Like
1: also at that same thing, he's like, do you have alcohol? And then she's like two alcohols and they don't have like, just they're (laughs) like, it's just like, they're funny. Like they're they're good at their job. (laughs) Like they make regular lines. Like they put a little spin on them. They're good. But the plot's ridiculous.
2: So they decide to go to this calendar invite. And so it's at a, I guess a club somewhere in new Orleans. It is extremely strange that it's said new Orleans and you see so little of it. I was not, fully convinced that it was filming in new orleans but they go to this club and somebody texts bicycle phone and like come to the balcony like i can't find you and so the person they're beating up with turns out to be anna camp who i absolutely adore she's really i think funny in this movie and so they meet anna camp on this balcony she's like what are you doing here Why did he send you, like, I don't believe that you don't know what's going on. They end up walking to an alley like a bunch of dumbasses and get hit over the back of the head. And they wake up in, like, somebody's barn. Basically, Kumal and Issa find out that Bicycle is uh, blackmailing Anna Camp's husband, who's a congressman. And so they're trying to talk their way out of the situation while not exactly knowing what's going on. And there's this really weird spiel that Anna Camp goes on about bacon grease, where she's going to torture them with hot bacon grease. Was it just me, or did that bacon look entirely CGI? That was one of the few moments where I was like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? This whole scene is really
1: weird. they have to tell her what's happening and she's threatening them to pour baking grease over the hand. She's like, or you can pick some other undisclosed option. Like it's very like movie villain where you're like, why are you giving them like, all these choices? <laughs> so like Camille picks the other choice and the other choice is like basically getting hit in the chest by like a horse. <laughs> but then as he's being hit in the head with the, ch- by the horse, he's like to easy. He's like, take the bacon grease, but I'm sorry. Like getting hit in the chest by a horse is significantly better than getting baking grease for over your face. And like, no matter what. So it was just like, it was just like weird that then she's like, yes, like scald my face with like a frying pan of bacon grease. But obviously that's about to happen. Like she breaks free and they like beat them over the head with the frying pan and escape.
0: She's talking about like, and I've, you know, figured out like who's behind this whole like conspiracy and I have written their name and phone number and address <laughs> neatly down on this piece of paper that I'm holding in my hand and will drop later in the scene. And it's just like, what, like, <laughs> You couldn't do another draft of that like that? <laughs> you just got a post-it note with the next like plot step.
1: With Lucky Land slots, you can get
2: lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Uh, hold that thought and let's take a quick break. As you may know, a lot of media companies are struggling right now and Slate is no exception. So now more than ever, we'd really appreciate your direct support for all of Slate's entertaining content and important journalism. You can do that by signing up for Slate Plus. It's just $35 for your first year, and you'll get ad-free podcast and access to exclusive shows like Dana Stevens' classic movies podcast, Flashback. Slate Plus members won't hit a paywall on the site, so you can also enjoy all of Slate's journalism without worrying if you've reached your article limit. So if you'd like to support Slate, go to slate.com slash plus and join Slate Plus today.
1: So for the next that they go to like basically what seems like a frat house where they're like packaging These blackmail packets, basically. (laughs) They're just, there's a bunch of dudes. And they break into the house and are like hiding in a bedroom.
0: And I think actually my favorite scene in the whole movie is the one where they um, interrogate one of these frat boys. Like they sneak (laughs) in through the window and he finds them in his room. And he starts freaking out. And they start kind of interrogating him and trying to put on this like tough guy act. And this is the point where I think, you know, the movie is making the point that this is a couple that's been together four years and they may have been on the verge of breaking up, but they also have all this kind of history and rapport with them. So like, well, you mentioned the fact that they just, you know, they're calling the courier bicycle and the murderer mustache. And that's not ever like a discussion they have. Like they just, one of them just says, Oh, what happened to bicycle? And the other one says, Oh, but about mustache. And it's just like, they don't need to explain that to each other, and at you know, one point they are like yelling at the strap, like, who does bicycle work for? And she's like, what What are you talking about? So they just start going on these weird riffs where they're both trying to act like it's sort of tough and mean, but then they're going on these weird diversions about like how important it is to recycle and stuff, <laughs> and just the way they're kind of picking up what the other one is putting down is really comedic timing and two really funny people like working off each other, but it does also remind you, like, oh, this is, like, a couple of people who, like, really know each other and can work well together when they're forced to.
2: I think this interrogation scene was also hilarious because of the many names that Issa Rae calls this frat boy. Like, she calls him Little Brett Kavanaugh or, like, Baby Date Rape. <laughs> I was just like, this is fucked up, but also absolutely hilarious. Do they get some
1: information from him, right? Like, we do actually extract some information <laughs> that, like, Basically, they figure out that Bicycle was, like, trying to blackmail.
2: So Bicycle's, like, the ringleader. And, yeah, in the middle of this interrogation, Mustache comes in and starts murdering everybody.
1: And they hide in the closet and avoid getting murdered. <laughs> At that point, they do have figured out, like, where they're supposed to go. Why do they know where they're supposed to go? Oh, but they, they, they like, steal a packet?
0: Yeah, and there's, like, a QR code on Bicycle's phone that will, like, get them into some... <laughs> but turns it turns that to be this kind of, like, eyes wide shut, like, sex party. They
2: have to unlock Bicycle's phone. So there's a guy that Issa is kind of flirting with that like, Kumal's like, I don't like the way you look at him. But apparently he's a tech genius and can unlock phones. And so they need to get into Bicycle's phone to find out where they need to go next, I guess. Because they have this packet of photos that looks like it's from a cult. And they're like, we don't know what the fuck to do. Like, we can't get into this phone. So they go to their friend's house that they were supposed to be going to in the first place and spin this, like, crazy story about how Kumar has, like, a head injury. And so he can't remember his, like, password into the phone. And so they get his friend to unlock their phone. Why does his friend have this, like, his full laptop, like, rig <laughs> at his friend's party? I'd, like, no one fully explains
1: Also, I will say that one of the fun things about that party is, like, at some point after they got kicked in the chest by the horse and, like, the bacon, they buy all new outfits at, like, the (laughs) drugstore. And so they're wearing, like, ridiculous but adorable clothes, like, for the rest of the movie, basically.
0: She's got, like, a unicorn hoodie and, like, sparkly purple pants or something.
1: Yeah. So they show up at their friends and they, like, concoct this whole story. Like, we need to get into the phone. Like, he's a good guy who won't break into the phone unless we come up with a story. And they also, like, come up with a good story. And they also need, like, fancy clothes. So then, like, they basically get to have, like, the glow up. where they're like, you look so good. And they're like, <sighs> you look so good. And then they go to, like, a weird sex party.
0: Shall <laughs> <laughs> we talk about the weird sex party? It was, like, pretty sex funny party. and stupid. <laughs> like, I
1: don't know. The movie, like, that's, like, where I felt like the movie was just, like, we're sort of just, like, going for it. Like, the masks were, like, good, bad masks,
0: I thought. I like, mean, they're very, like, all. True Detective season two, which is just a weird, like, reference to drop in the middle of this thing for, like, the four people who actually stuck with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Very eyes wide shut. Yeah. But, I mean, it also, it's, like, a good scene when they're, they're in the audience. Like, they go to the sex party and then they're in this audience. And, like, everyone's, like, intoning along. And they, like, have to pretend to intone along. Like, there's some comedy in that. Like, they don't know any of the words. And then... They tell everyone to take off their masks and of course like they're the only people that do it because you're never supposed to take off your mask at which point like the police come and it was revealed that like they know that they didn't do anything wrong because like they saw they weren't driving the security cameras like the whole time. So the whole thing
0: was just to make them bond
1: and realize they love each other. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a great beat for me. Like, they are, you know, this this one cop who's been calling them the whole time and they've been, you know, sending her to voicemail. And she's like, finally, you picked up the phone. We've been trying to keep you safe. And they're like, oh, you didn't think we called them? And she's like, no, there's security camera footage of the whole thing. And it it's just like, oh, you're <laughs> like, the entire, literally the entire plot of this movie was just you kind of being idiots and not just going to the cops immediately.
2: Right. But also, why didn't the cop leave a voicemail? Like, send a text, send an email. Like, I don't... <laughs> There are other ways to communicate besides waiting for them to pick up the phone if she thinks they're, like, in danger. I've been thinking about this so much about contact tracing, which is just, like, don't call people. Text
1: yeah. to them. Everyone <laughs> reads their text messages. If this is important for you to get in touch with somebody. I know, like, not everyone reads their text messages and, like, older people maybe don't, but, like... Just be like, it's the police. We know you didn't do anything wrong.
2: <laughs> like, No, exactly. Like, I never pick up phone calls from unknown numbers. And I'm like, if it's important, they're going to leave a voicemail. And if they don't leave a voicemail, they need to get in contact with me. So leave a voicemail.
1: <laughs> they might not have been listening to their voicemail, to be fair. They were like, <laughs> running around. Being crazy.
2: <laughs> That is true.
0: Yeah. So they get picked up by the cops after this whole kind of eyes wide shut um, sex party and um, get caught and they get pulled into the interrogation room. You realize the whole thing's just been a big misunderstanding. Everything's fine. They're just going to get a ride home and everything's going to be okay. So they get into the car where the cop is going to drive them home. And it is dun, 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 mustache <laughs> um, who is legitimately a cop and has been behind this conspiracy the whole time. And they're uh, now going to get murdered.
1: He does like a freelance gig for the sex club because it pays him. And his partner was Bicycle and then Bicycle like tried to blackmail them and got too greedy. So he had to kill Bicycle and he's sad about it. So then basically right, like he keeps them in the car and goes and like does some stuff. So they have some time to like use the cigarette lighter to free themselves. And then they like pretend they're not free and wait way too long <laughs> until he's just about to shoot them <laughs> to fight him. And they like manage to not kill, but like send mustache into the water at the marina that they're being killed at and they win they survive
2: so she shoots him and then like kamal hits him over the head with something but then the cops show up and he's alive yeah but like he falls into the water and just doesn't resurface and i'm like how did he not why is he alive like how did they find him totally
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, he should be drowned. He seems very drowned.
2: Yeah, he should be very dead, but he's not, because that's apparently too grungy for this movie. But so, yeah, the rest of the cops show up, and they're like, oh, no, we didn't realize that he was the one doing all of this. And it's like, y'all should do your jobs better, I guess. They decide to have sex in the back of an ambulance, like, because they're, like, injured, which makes no sense, because the EMT always rides in the back of the ambulance with you. And also, the EMT driving can see everything in the back of the ambulance to make sure that you're not actually hurt. So, like, they decide to get back together, and they're like, our first thing to do to spice up our relationship is to have sex in the back of an ambulance. And I'm like, that's not going to work out for you. Like, this is not going to—this doesn't—this isn't how this works. (laughs) I've ridden the back of an ambulance.
0: (laughs) Everything else in the movie is entirely plausible. <laughs> that, part. that doesn't work, but
1: yeah. it's like also part of the weirdness of like the way that the, what's wrong with their relationship is underdeveloped because there's like in the first fight they have, like when you first come into them fighting when they're fighting at the amazing race, like right after they've had the schmoopy montage and then it like cuts to four years later and they're fighting. It is all this intimation that they don't have like freaky sex and like that's what's wrong with their sex life, but like, like it's just so half. Baked like that's not like a real idea. And then when they're at the friend's house and trying to get the phone unlocked and getting their clothes all like fancy again, they both have conversations where with other people who sort of describe how like how much they love each other. So like the tech guy who Camille's character is jealous of is like, oh, Isa talks about you all the time. I'm just like refusing to call them by the names they have in the character yeah. names. In the <laughs> um, um... And then and meanwhile, like Isa's best friend is like they're both like no you have the perfect relationship and he says like you have the perfect relationship she's like oh no not at all it's like all just for show and like y- you seem like you guys have freaky sex all the time and she's like oh that's all just for instagram like that's all just for social media show everything is like half done in like actually what's happening in their relationship so they get back together and i was just like you i'm so happy you guys got back together for like a month like that's how <laughs> that was like the thing th- feeling to me it was like relationships that started under insane circumstances never last like to quote speed and like that was just like what this was like you're gonna like <laughs> honey up for like six months and then you're gonna just be at each other's throats and you'll just be like oh, right, that time we were going to break up because we don't like each other very much.
0: The whole sort of eyes wide shut sex party also pays off like part of that initial argument about sex where he's saying like, okay, we're going to go to this party and we're going to have sex later. And she's like, oh, that's so hot that you like, you know, made a schedule for us to have sex. And they start talking about like freaky sex and orgies. And he's like, orgies don't just happen. People plan them. There's probably a Google calendar invite. And she's (laughs) like, no, it probably just happens spontaneously. And then they go to the orgy. And it seems indeed that the people have like, when they have, you know, QR codes I think the the bicycle literally had a like a you know calendar alert set for it and stuff, so he is vindicated in that respect, and basically nobody's relationship as is you know sort of hot or spontaneous as Instagram or perhaps other romantic comedies might make it seem
2: I really feel like all the issues they have with each other would have come up a lot sooner than four years in these feel like very early on issues, and yet here they are four years later theoretically fighting over Instagram which seems weird. It takes people a long time to break up sometimes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> True. But so the ending credit scene, they end up going on the amazing race, which is apparently how they introduce sparks into their relationship. Some people have kids, they go on to win the amazing race. <laughs> and then like the very last like the button
1: is that like they have to ride horses, which because like Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, that's not really funny. Like, that was like a little like, you're like, that's not what's good about this movie. Like, it's <laughs> just like a bad sitcom joke. It's very bad. You yeah, know, there we are. There it comes. <laughs> it. They're going to win the amazing race.
0: So I think we've, as a group, come to the conclusion that this is not a, a movie whose like, plot or romance is is very satisfying. But it is. It's got two very appealing comedic leads and a lot of. You know, sort of like little standout moments in it that make it fine to like to watch at home. Are there any like particular kind of favorites we should single out?
2: When they're in the back of a lift, they take lifts throughout this entire movie, which seems like a bad decision to make if the cops are <laughs> theoretically tracking their credit cards. But they're in the back of this lift on the way to the sex party and firework by Katy Perry starts playing and Issa starts singing and Kamal's like, No, you always do this when I'm upset. I'm not going to start singing. And he's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she just, like, starts singing the song. And they end up singing it together. And at the end of the scene, you, like, pan forward and see the lift driver also <laughs> singing along with them. Which I thought was really cute and funny.
1: Is this the one also where she, like, keeps making fun of him for, like, having his ride share open? Like, the first time they get in, like, in a car, like they are with another couple who she like loses it on because they're all schmoopy. But like, that's like a funny conceit that like he just like forgets to turn off his...
0: Like there's right, of, like... Right, like we're running, we're running from the cops and you chose a shared ride. And he's <laughs> like, I had it set to that at the default. He just
1: didn't turn it off. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah. There's like lots of like moments, but the whole thing is like so... It's actually such a weird example of a script. I think I said, I said this already, but like the things they get right are really, really hard to get right. Like having the... Dialogue not like kind of suck, you know, like the, or just like the inter, like between them be kind of funny, but like everything else about the script is very deeply mediocre. Like they have this one piece that's pretty difficult to do, but is like it sort of like feels like the Apatovian model of like you just like you workshop the jokes till like the jokes are pretty good, but right. then like everything else about it is really not good. Like someone needed to do like a that, but for like the creativity of like the actual plot
0: right you want like a sort of just like a rom-com you know specialist like maybe you know ann fletcher should have done a script pass or something like just yeah to pull it all together
1: the bones are bad you know what i mean like cosmetically it's okay but like the bones are broken hmm. and like <laughs> we know it's osteoporosis or whatever it's like bad <laughs> um sam did in his review of this film for slate.com point out that this is like a comedy of remarriage, although they don't actually get married, which is sort of this famous old school romantic comedy format that includes like The Awful Truth and The Philadelphia Story and Holiday and a bunch of other, um, you know, Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Cary Grant, Irene Dunn and various other movies. And like, It's Complicated is sort of a comedy of remarriage almost like there's this idea of like a couple that knows each other really well that breaks up and then the movies them getting back together and i love movies like that and i loved thinking about this movie like that except that i thought actually as is often the case in comedies of remarriage that you're like you guys broke up for a reason (laughs) this fantasy that it's gonna work out because of like this duress is is like the biggest fantasy of all you know yeah you know romantic comedies have like such a weight towards the characters you know so like In actual life, you break up with someone and then you meet someone else and like then that other person becomes like the real person in your life or whatever, you know, like it's not like most people's ex-boyfriend doesn't become their forever partner, but because of the way that like our familiarity works like that is so often the thing that romantic comedies fall back on. So like in High Fidelity, it's the dude that's been lurking around for the whole thing like her ex boyfriend that is like really her heart song or this Anna Kendrick show spoiler like I have not seen the last two episodes of the show, but I would bet you a gajillion dollars that the opening (laughs) dude that she's with and then breaks up with is going to reappear like he's just too lovely. So yeah, It's very hard to wrap your head around like, oh, the best person for them would be the person who's not in this movie or like is in this movie in the last four minutes. Like that doesn't make sense in a script way.
0: So as I mentioned at the beginning, like this is a movie, this was supposed to be a theatrical movie. This was a big, you know, universal summer release until there were no summer releases. And then it ended up on on Netflix. You know, one of the issues that's kind of going to be ongoing through this, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic is whether these kinds of movies are going to make their way back into theaters or whether, you know, the rom-com, the kind of mid-budget comedy, which has been sort of slowly drifting towards Netflix and streaming debuts to begin with, whether its its day in movie theaters is just done and theaters are just for kind of superhero movies and, and blockbusters. Um, is this a movie that you wish you had seen even not necessarily on the big screen but just like with an audience do you think it would have we would have liked it more in that context or is this just this already belonged in your netflix queue
2: i kind of missed the audience laughter i think there were parts where i was like this moment definitely would have gotten like a pretty big laugh in theaters but i watched it with my roommate which kind of <laughs> simulated the experience of being in a theater i'm not mad i didn't pay $20 to see it in a New York theater. But I definitely think that this is more of a, like when we can actually have friends over again, this is a movie that you would watch with like a group of friends rather than something I would pay to go to a theater to see.
1: I mean, there's sort of like a catch 22 here, which is that like a movie like this would definitely be better in theaters, but that's not cause it's good. That's cause <laughs> theaters make things that are bad a little better. Cause like, it's a fun experience. And so other people are having a good time. I am saddened that like romantic comedies are not a thing that, I mean, they are obviously a really a thing on Netflix, but that romantic comedies have sort of become this like stepchild of like theatrical releases. But part of the reason that's happened is because they're not that good. Like a lot of them are extremely rote and not inspired. And like every so often you see a really good one, like plus one or something. And you're like, Oh, that's much better than, all these other ones that are totally like will do the trick but like you kind of can watch them like a half paying attention and like skipping around on netflix and have a good time if you had two mojitos or like with friends or (laughs) like can fall asleep to them like you can just do them however you want like this is not worth the twenty dollars so how can you be bummed that this movie in particular like isn't in theaters it just seems like so designed for this exact purpose i want romantic comedies just to be better and then come out in movie theaters but like at the same time, probably this would have been more fun to see in movie theaters because like you'd have had popcorn and like other people in the audience would have like been saying funny things and laughing, you know, that still does not change like the actual quality of this product. I mean, also the thing about the quality of this product is also interesting is like both of the leads actually did added so much to it. <laughs> like, and so it's almost like it's weird to say it's like beneath them because they're like the only good thing about it. And it's very like they showed their work like you can really see what they brought to it, but it's still just like not good enough.
0: Yeah, one of the things I wrote about in my review is is that I feel like one of the reasons watching this movie why it's so clear how great particularly Issa Rae is is because the movie is not up to her level. So she's just kind of walking all over it, like, just, you know, doing a dance and, like, knocking things out of the park when the movie's just kind of, like, trudging along in this very, like, pedestrian level. And I would, you know, I would love to see her in a movie where, like, she kind of has to, like, work to be as good as or at least like there's like more of a back and forth rather than like a movie that doesn't let her run away with it quite so easily
1: like if there's an actual script and not just like them being funny as like 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 no like please rescue us and make this scene funny like which they do very capably but like it's not there there's no like like the movie underneath is not there
0: yeah, so hopefully she has a you know rom-com script in a drawer somewhere, and she'll use her insecure hiatus to shoot it one day or something, and then we will get. Or to we should all just deserved. like watch Insecure.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then be like, honor. There
0: table. is also that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. On that note, uh, watch Insecure on HBO Max or anywhere. Else. <laughs> that is our show. Please subscribe to the Slate Spoiler Special podcast feed, and if you like the show, please rate and review it in the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you got your podcast. If you have suggestions for movies or tv shows we should spoil in the future or if you have any other feedback you'd like to share please send it to spoilers at slate.com our producer is rosemary belson for willa paskin and rachel hampton i'm sam adams thanks for listening